This is Aspire, Arc Street Public Radio, a content-driven platform broadcasting interviews from our Innovate, Innovate Media, Innovate CSR, and Innovate Under 30 podcast series. Aspire gives public voice to socially conscious and forward-thinking leaders within the nonprofit and for-profit sectors, academia, journalism, and social entrepreneurship. Today, our guest is Alan Moyer, founder and CEO of the New Teacher Center, with a mission to improve student learning by accelerating the effectiveness of new teachers and school leaders. The center strengthens school communities through proven mentoring and professional development programs, online learning environments, policy advocacy, and research. Ellen's work has reached thousands of mentors, new teachers, and school administrators, enriching the educational experience of over 1.5 million students nationwide. Ellen has earned a BA in Spanish from California State and a master's in elementary education from San Jose State University. Among her many honors, Ellen has been recognized as an Ashoka Fellow in 2011. That's an experience we share. She's also a recipient of the Skoll Award for Social Entrepreneurship, the 2010 Civic Ventures Purpose Prize Fellowship, the 2008 National Staff Development Council Contribution to the Field Award, 2008 Full Circle Fund Impact Award, the Harold W. McGraw 2005 Prize in Education, and the 2003 California Council on Teacher Education Distinguished Teacher Educator Award. Ellen has also authored many publications, including New Teacher Mentoring, Hopes and Promise for Improving Teacher Effectiveness, and Blended Coaching, Skills and Strategies to Support Principal Development. Ellen, it's a real pleasure to be able to speak with you today. Thank you so much, David. It's, a, it's an honor to, to have this opportunity to share some of my ideas and thinking uh, about the work. Terrific. I'd like to begin by asking you to share your background story of how you became inspired to create the new Teacher Center. That's great. Well, I think all of us can point to a teacher that lifted our lives. And for me, my teacher is Miss Hayward. She was my high school Spanish teacher. And my parents, though very loving, had, my mother hadn't graduated from high school, my father just barely, and my parents really couldn't envision a future for me. They, you know, and I had this great fortune of having Miss Hayward in the 10th grade. And one day she said to me, David, Elena, hablas <clears throat> español como mexicana, no quieres ser maestro bilingüe. Ellen, you speak Spanish like a native speaker, don't you want to consider being a bilingual teacher? I hadn't considered it. I didn't realize that I was really talented in Spanish, and I then really um, listened carefully to her as she helped me navigate the system to actually be the first in my family to go to college. And so um, I've forever been indebted to Miss Hayward, and I, you know, I just think that every child, regardless of their zip code, deserves the best education, the best teacher. And so I've always, my entire career, whether it was teaching young students or teaching college candidates that were preparing to be teachers or, or now running the new teacher center, I've always considered myself a teacher. And I'm really passionate about lifting our profession. So when I had the chance, uh, I was really uh, working almost 
primarily in, primarily in my backyard in Santa Cruz County, and I started a mentoring program to help our graduates from UC Santa Cruz. Um, and, I, and I could see that the best and the brightest wanted to quit. So that's how I got the idea to start the new teacher center, was that I realized right then and there that if America has their best and brightest teachers wanting to quit in October of their first year, we're in big trouble. One of the things looking at your work that I've noticed is that you really bring such a strong systems perspective to this cause, really looking at all the parts of, of how new teachers are developing. And I wonder if you could share with us some of your thoughts on what's wrong with the system that we have in place today. How is it that it fails teachers in their development? And then how is your work going about a system transformation of the experience of new teachers? Yeah, that's great. Well, you know, I think actually, you know, the system is really failing its teachers. Teachers are not failing their students. Um, I think every new teacher that comes into the system wants to be the best that they can. And what traditionally happens, David, is that, you know, there's a, basically a sink or swim approach to teaching. So these new teachers come in, they get the key to the classroom, they're assigned to the toughest schools and the toughest districts with kids that have the greatest needs, and then they're kind of left on their own. And these are competent, smart young people who want to transform the lives of kids who care about social justice and equity, and they, they lose their confidence in October. So they, they lose their balance right at the time that they need to be strong and capable. And I have developed and still have so much empathy for these, for, for new teachers, because although sometimes one thinks anyone that breathes can teach, the truth is teaching is really complex. It's tough work, and you have to really learn to be a teacher. And, so I wanted to build an apprentice model where teachers could learn from the best and the brightest teachers. Um, I, I, I think our work has evolved to be about the system. It, it really started out, interestingly enough, kind of one-on-one -on -one mentoring for new teachers because these were graduates who were coming out of the UCSC teacher education program. I knew them. We had a small program. I, you know, and I wanted to make sure that they were on the path to excellence early on in their careers. So, Initially, it was really about you know a mentoring model where you were tapping where we tapped the most the exemplary teachers in the system to mentor new teachers. As the years have evolved and we've learned more about the work, the mentor mentors the brand new teacher one on one and you know offering a personalized um, approach to to learning to teach. But also, the mentor helps to facilitate grade level teams and department meetings and really broaden our, um, our reach to, to, to help a, a school be more effective. And pretty soon we started to see, wait a minute, you know, this group of mentors who are all exemplary teachers, when they come to us and we offer them, through, first of all, there's a very rigorous selection process, and then we offer them professional development over three years, we start to see that these exemplary teachers have a skill set in school districts that no one else has. And so we started to realize that we could actually be influencing the principal more and we could have a greater um, opportunity to change this whole system. And when I talk about the system, I mean both the district as a system, but also actually the policy landscape to improve the quality of education for underserved kids um, in America. And so it's been a gradual evolution um, to where, you know, finally the whole country recognized that educator effectiveness teacher effectiveness and principal effectiveness are hugely important in improving student achievement. 
And so we've really been, you know, I think the principal role has been um, under underemphasized. And as we've learned how important a principal is at building culture in a school to really um, enhance teacher learning and student learning, um, we've been able to wrap our arms around the school as a system and, as I said, the district and, and federal policy and state policy as well. It's so interesting uh, to hear you talk about this because it seems it feels to me like we live in a world in which oftentimes we forget about the importance of human beings to any kind of process. And the wonderful thing about your work is that you have really zeroed in on the teacher as a catalyst for learning. In, 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 a, in a general culture in which we often sort of think about technology or curriculum and forget about the huge impact that teachers have on inspiring students and really in being um, the force that organizes all this technology and curriculum around the student and makes it accessible. And so it's wonderful to, to see that spotlight on, the, on the, the critical importance of the teacher and the whole system. I really have a two-part question for you because I think one of the real innovations in your work is the identification of this person who is a mentor and then introducing uh, mentors into the system and really empowering them to be effective. And we see that that's really one of the system transformations because in a school that doesn't have this the teachers thrown into the classroom in this, quote, sink or swim way without the resources that they need to succeed. So my question for you is, uh, what are the best ways to select these mentors? And then what are the best ways that you have identified to empower these mentors to this so that they can really make this system transformation happen? Yes. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to go back to one one point to say to you that when you know, when we started this work, um, I knew it was going to be a disruptive activity across across the district within schools because you start to have these expert others, these great teachers who traditionally are in classrooms, but now are actually um, released full time to mentor brand new teachers. So by virtue of the structure that we've set up and by the non-negotiable of them needing to be released full time, um, we've been able to leverage our work even more. So. Um, it's been, and, and to also let you know that when I started, I could only really think about the new teachers we were working with, right? I mean, because I knew them by name. And we were constantly focused on how do we really accelerate the new teacher's development and what are those new teachers' individual needs and what are, you know, what are the interventions and how are we going to help them build the best practices into their teaching. And we've done all of that, and then suddenly one day, I, I sound sort of silly, but the light went on that this wasn't just about the new teacher, that we were having a humongous impact on these expert teachers. Ah, interesting, and, yeah. Yeah, and so, so because of that, I, we realized right away that we had to have a very rigorous selection process for these mentors, and we've adhered to that in every district that we're working with in, and you know, we're easily reaching, you know, 5,000 mentors across the country. So the most important aspect, I think, of a mentor is that they not only, that they, you know, that they exhibit all the qualities of an exemplary teacher. And I want to highlight some of those. You know, one of the key ones is they themselves are learners and continually improving. They have tremendous empathy for students, 
but can also hold rigorous expectations. They know how to scaffold instruction for kids, for their students. They know how to build from the asset base that students bring in. You know, they know their content well. They believe all kids can learn. And they're just, and they have incredible interpersonal skills. So their social emotional capabilities are, you know, really quite developed. And we have to have that entire mix of cognitive and non-cognitive capabilities in these exemplary teachers because we don't match, we, you know, each mentor has 15 new teachers. And, you know, we, we have to match them um, by subject matter or by grade level, but we can't get into the weeds around, well, this person's personality would do better with this mentor's personality. We have to promise that every one of the exemplary teachers that we're selecting is, you know, outstanding and can work with, you know, a diverse group of new teachers. And, um, and that has really, really worked for us. Now, on the, you know, the next part of your question is hugely important. So how do you empower these mentors to do more, to do good, to, to be agents of change? And I will say I've been critical Let's see if that's the right term, but I, I've been, yeah, I've been critical and wondering my entire career how teacher leaders can really be empowered with the structure that we have set up in school districts, right? It's a pretty traditional, archaic structure. And I do think that in many charters as well, you know, networks, you still have you kind of have your administration, your principal, and your teachers in the classroom teaching constantly, you know, continually. But I think that we have to unleash the potential of principals and teachers. And by releasing these exemplary teachers for three years, they become a new kind of exemplary teacher. For the first time in their career, right, they have seen multiple, you know, 15 teachers teaching or you know, we've built these as three-year rotating positions so that we can keep building capacity in the system. So these, these exemplary teachers have, you know, they're observing new teachers, they're giving feedback, they're helping them differentiate instruction, they're analyzing student work. They're very focused on helping their new teachers really know their students well. And at the same time, part of our training gives them, you know, capa new capabilities around also around facilitating learning communities, around advocating for new teachers, around looking at the policy landscape. And the only reason I would say right now I feel like our mentors are super empowered is because of the political context that we find education in today. And by that I mean teacher effectiveness is the number one area across this country that everyone is focusing on and transforming teacher evaluation. Well, you can change a teacher evaluation system, but the only time that we're, when we're really going to feel like we have a robust performance assessment system in place is when there's a so what and a now what to this conversation. Like how are we really helping teachers move from good to very good to excellent? And so, the way we're, so we're situated in a very sweet spot in American education right now where, you know, I actually say it's a once in a century time. It's where we really are good and outstanding, if you will, at 
helping new teachers um, get on that path to excellence, helping expert teachers get on the path, get on a new path and a more diverse path to excellence. And as a result, underserved students in America are getting better, better teachers and learning more. So I think the political landscape where education is today has really also, I mean, we're training our mentors, we're giving our mentors lots of professional development that empowers them and we're helping to situate them both as policy, you know, as policy leaders and as teacher leaders and instructional leaders. Um, but it's really helpful that we're hearing much more about teacher leadership, empowering teachers, um, about teacher effectiveness and teacher evaluation. That's also, I think, really propelling, uh, propelling um, our mentors forward. There's so much in what you just said, and I'd like to pick up pick out a few strands. Uh, one thing that I think is just fascinating is that here's a project that goes in to try to help new teachers. And really, if I'm hearing you right, what you have ended up is it's had an impact on teaching throughout the whole system because it really creates a dialogue with the institution within the institution about what is great teaching that probably impacts not only new teachers, but also teachers that have been there for a while. And another thing that I'm hearing is that really through this work, there is a dialogue about what excellence is in teaching that's emerging and perhaps even new knowledge and insights that didn't exist before this work started. And so could you talk a little bit about how you're capturing some of that and then feeding it back into the culture and uh, and how, again, that I think promises a, an overall system impact that's even greater than sort of rescuing or helping new teachers. Yeah, that's great. I do think, you know, there are so many rich conversations going on across the country about, you know, what good teaching looks like. And I, I feel like we've been able to really infuse um, you know, social emotional learning and cognitive skills and, you know, and new ways of teaching and we've been able to bring in technology and to, you know, to leverage learning. And I, I think we've been, I'm kind of smiling, it's just been a phenomenal opportunity to both deeply do good work and help new teachers be more effective and also to sort of really raise the dialogue uh, in America. And, um, you know, I would say that that the model that we use, which I haven't, I want to just kind of explain a little bit more, it's so much about building capacity in the system. So when we go into a district, so and we're trying, we're working in the largest urban districts in America, and, you know, we've targeted the largest 200. Uh, we're currently in 24 of the largest 200, and in 2000, by 2017, we want to be in 60 of the largest 200. And at that point, David, I think we'll be reaching close to a third of all new teachers in wow. America. Wow, Obviously, amazing. I want, to, I want to reach them all, but, I, you know, I think, so, so I want to kind of put that out there because, because we're, so as we work with a school district and we share our model, we have a whole set of non-negotiables. Now, believe me, as a social entrepreneur that started this work, I didn't know what a non-negotiable was in a way, right? It was like, right. sure, we can do that, and we can do this, and I have this vision, and let's get going. And I've had to hold the vision, and, you know, my team holds the vision. I have a brilliant team. And, you know, we've had to hold the vision, but we've also had to be clear and consistent and rigorous 
about what's going to work and what we've learned, what's going to stick and what won't. So as we go forward to really work with a district, you know, we have this set of non-negotiables, which is, you know, you, you need to release exemplary teachers on a full-time basis. These exemplary teachers need to, you know, be really carefully, rigorously selected, and we want to be part of that process. And, and then, you know, we, need, we want to be sure that we're actually giving these mentors the, the 20, 30, 36 days of our Mentor Academy training over three years. And we want these mentors to come together with a leader from your district every week or every other week to really do an analysis of how well their new teachers are doing and what the interventions are going to be with each of those new teachers to help them move from good to very good to excellent. And, you know, when we talk with the district, we're like, look, the leader, whoever's leading this effort in your system has to really be a role model for continuous improvement, for learning, for engaging adults in, in, in an opportunity to make a difference, you know, not just sort of traditional stand and deliver professional development, but much more around an inquiry of learning. And the district, we together, you know, think about who that leader should be. And then we not only work closely with the mentors, but we offer the leader and the leader's team ongoing learning and professional development. And what we've seen in districts now over the years is that a new teacher could become a mentor has become, new teachers have become mentors. Mentors have become program leaders in districts and program leaders have become directors of curriculum. And, you know, mentor, another track, another uh, uh, career lattice or ladder we've seen is that mentors now are becoming principals or mentors are getting their PhDs or EDDs and leading other curriculum efforts. So I think that we're building a, we're building capacity in the system to own this work and to translate the work into practices for everyone in the system. And so now we're getting much more um, engaged with districts and, you know, districts will say, wow, the work you're doing is really amazing. Not only are new teachers thriving, but experienced teachers are thriving. Could you really build this out for our principals? And then you know, we have principal supervisors in our district, but I think they could really use support in learning, you know, again, adult learning and how to really help principals move from good to very good to excellent. And so I feel like the, uh, you know, what we're really seeing is that we're seeding the knowledge in each of these districts and we're actually creating a gradual release where eventually the district can own all of this work and where NTC can sit on the side as a critical friend and as an engine to continue to innovate. This Innovate series features dialogue with some of the most influential advocates for changing our world. From the CEOs and founders of major nonprofits to the directors of cultural and academic institutions, Innovate demonstrates the vital role of empathy as an agent for that change. Innovate and Aspire are produced in partnership with Ashoka, Innovators for the Public, the Kellogg Fellows Leadership Alliance, and the Philadelphia Social Innovations Journal, and presented by Arch Street Press and the Public Radio Exchange.
now return to our Innovate interview with David Castro and Ellen Moyer, founder and CEO of the New Teacher Center. So a really strong element in your work that has emerged over the last, uh, I don't know, maybe the last, and I'd love to get a time frame on this, the work, the emergent work with principals and site leadership. Um, how old is that? How, how long have you been doing that part of the work? Yeah, so that part of the work has been going on about 12 years. But because we're called the New Teacher Center, we've kind of, other people haven't really realized maybe that we've been doing uh, principal development work. But I'd say it's just taken off in the last five years big time as we've realized, as we've realized its potential. And what, what's happening there, I think, is also just really important. Uh, something that you've written and spoken about is, I think, how the difference that occurs in the institution when the principal sees him or herself as really the instructional leader and not simply the administrator or the overseer of of a building, <laughs> but rather somebody that is actually fully engaged in supporting and developing what happens in the classroom and, and the reframing of, of the principal as the uh, vision keeper for these best practices in teaching. Can you talk a little bit about how your program uh, reinforces that? Yeah, no, you're right. You're exactly right. I mean, we have to have a new kind of leader in schools. And you know, one thing that's interesting, David, is that the mentors that choose to become principals or, you know, that decide that they're going to go that path, they actually already have in them a new way of being a principal. Um, and that's kind of interesting because in the early years of our work, we didn't see very many mentors want to be principals. But now we're seeing many more curious about the principalship. And I think the reason is because in our mentor training, we really teach these mentor, we teach mentors how to work collaboratively with adults in you know in facilitating these communities of practice that are really robust and intellectually engaging and making a difference and it starts to give the mentors sort of a signal that wow we could do this kind of work as principals so um, so that's one thing is that I think the mentors are, are getting the kind of uh, professional development that they need to be principals. I think they could use a few more modules maybe on the budget and on, you know, on some of the other business aspects, but I actually think a lot of what we're offering them is, is solid, good, good professional learning for be, being a principal. But in terms of the principal, him or herself, that are seated in schools where we're working, we meet with those principals every other week, and the mentor shares the assessment tools we use, the mentor shares the continuum of teacher development that we're focusing on. The, ment the mentor shares our analysis of student work with principals. So the principals are starting to see how invaluable the mentor is. And by virtue of that, I think really also seeing their potential. So I think by working more closely with principals um, in, the, in the mentoring work that we're doing, induction work of new teachers, we're influencing principals all across the country to start you know, seeing their role in a more ambitious way, but in any of the principal development work that we're doing for new principals across the country, we're, we're in Tampa, Florida, we're working with Boston Public Schools, we're working in Tulsa, I mean, I could keep going. We're going to start working, I believe, in LA Unified, and, you know, it's, it's really making sure that the instructional modules for the principal, for new principals, are all about reading and adult learning and, you know, making sure that principals are 
teed up to be the instructional leaders in the schools. Is your work on the radar screen at universities across the country that have education programs like, you know, master's and PhD in education so that it's having an impact long term now? People are starting to say, hey, we need to really pay attention to what we're teaching people as they go to graduate school for education and understand these emergent models that have so much promise. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yes, we, you know, I think, um, I think that our work definitely is on the radar screen of uh, uh, colleges and university faculty across the country um, because I think teacher education is wrestling with, you know, what is it that candidates in our program really need to know and be able to do and how do we build out the most effective pre-service programs both for, both for teachers and for principals. I think there's been a lot of pressure on teacher education and I think you know, I think our work is really when we when we're in a school district and we partner and we encourage the district to partner with with the, uh, universities and colleges in the area. Our work is it's a great way to create a feedback loop back into the higher ed, right? So, you know, if we have 50 candidates that came out of uh, uh, one of the universities, you know, one of the state universities uh, in the induction work in a in a school district. You know, there's a way that you know that the colleges and universities, can, the teacher ed folks, can get feedback. It's kind of a fast feedback loop on how well their graduates are doing in the field. So I think, I think that you know, when we look at what's needed in to be a teacher today in urban settings, we really have to do that kind of backward mapping. And I, I, I'm hoping, I'm seeing shifts in teacher ed. I'm hoping that we really are only offering the set of courses that are most essential for new teacher success. Um, you know, as, as teachers are going out now, they're going to be, you know, they're, they're in districts that are starting to use Common Core. So, you know, in our work in the secondary level of middle school and high school teachers, you know, we're building in academic literacy and, you know, assessment, and we're really helping the secondary teachers shift the way they're teaching to be aligned with um, with the Common Core, and, and I think that has to start in pre-service. So really, we need a systems approach to teacher development that starts in the recruitment, really, of candidates into a teacher ed program and goes throughout the career of teachers. I'd like to shift gears a little bit and talk about another element of your work, which is obviously very closely related to what you've been talking about, and that relates to your policy work, that you actually are a a really vital resource now to many policymakers and education leaders across the country. And I wonder if you could just comment on what is currently in that space for you. What are the most important initiatives that you're focused on right now in terms of uh, some of this system change that has to take place in order to really make schools be uh, better at teacher development uh, from a systems viewpoint? Yeah, I, you know, I think that um, the, the policy work that we're focused that we've been doing, you know, I think we just we recently released uh, about a year ago, maybe now, but we released the nation's first review of state policies on new teacher support. So we've been able to really do an analysis state by state of what's going on, and you know, we've strengthened policies. We've really helped to strengthen induction policies in more than 20 states, and we're we're constantly really looking at, you know, state by state, how to enhance the policies to ultimately improve teacher development. 
And I think we've had a hand uh, in shaping the federal initiatives, including Race to the Top. I mean, we've been a huge advocate for, for multiple measures to measure teacher effectiveness. We've been a huge advocate for teacher and leader development. And we've seen those play out now uh, in Race to the Top at the state level and um, at district level and at the federal level. And um, I think also we just are the recipient of an I-3 award um, this last December, I think we uh, there were 880 applicants, and and uh, well, our application was number one. And uh, it's it's really that's actually another way to start to really drive and influence policymakers is to really uh, be able to validate great work. And we feel privileged to be able to work in this case with SRI to really take a look at the work in Broward County. In, um, in Chicago Public Schools and in a rural consortium in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. So I think that, you know, uh, we're constantly, you know, advocating and, you know, really looking uh, for different opportunities to partner with other organizations to highlight the importance of new teacher development, of principal development, of teacher effectiveness, of developing all teachers. And in the end of the day, uh, you know, we've also, uh, in, in the end of the day, I was going to say, in the end of the day, it's really, you know, all about building a better teaching profession, David. I mean, who, you know, we have to really be able to recruit the best and the brightest young people into this profession, and we have to make a, uh, help build a career that's going to be satisfying and that is inspiring for them. So, as I think about our policy work, we, you know, we've also worked with 100K and 10, you know, really with the Carnegie Corporation and others in America to, to you know, really fulfill President Obama's dream of creating 100,000 new STEM teachers. Um, but as I as I think about all the work that we're doing in the policy arena and all the work that we're doing in practice, it's all about a better profession. It's all about improving student learning. And the way to improve student learning is to have the adults in the system be inspired, engaged, supported, developed, and caring and really, you know, driving home the message to all kids that they can be successful. So I see our policy work as uh, it's exciting to be able to be on the ground very deeply in the classes of new teachers, to be at the system level in a district, you know, in a school in a district, and then to have this kind of policy reach that my team has been, um, been focusing on. And the last part of the policy piece that I, I want to also share with you is that We've been um, working closely with uh, the governors in at least 10 states and, uh, and with uh, NEA to really uh, to, to, to look at teaching and learning conditions in America. I mean, we have to do a better job of creating the context for teachers to be able to thrive. So that's another area that I think we're having um, both on the ground impact on and also at the policy level. So you've touched on a lot of things that relate to the future of your work, and that's very helpful because that's one thing I really wanted to talk about before we finished. And I wonder if you could just lay out for us any of any specific goals and initiatives that you have planned if we were going to say to you, hey, what's the future of the new teacher center? What are you trying to do over the next five to ten years? Can you yeah. uh, add more to that story? Yes, well, I'd say to you that in the end of it, we really want to reach every brand new teacher in America. And uh, in, in just, in, as I said earlier, I think by 2017, we want to be able to reach 
30% of all new teachers in this country, which <clears throat> will be 60,000 new teachers. And we have two strategies to do that. So one is to continue to build out our large comprehensive um, approach. Now, you know, before I told you early on, it was kind of one-on-one -on -one mentoring. And now I'm telling you, and as we're thinking about the future, it's this larger comprehensive approach to, the, to really drive a systems change, uh, to drive systems change um, in the districts. And so we want to go from 24 of those comprehensive programs to 60, and then beyond that to 80, and continue to get to 200 of those largest urban districts. And you know, what we've learned also is that in rural America, they have most of the new teachers. I mean, you find brand new teachers in urban settings and you find them in rural. And we want to really reach rural America as well. So we're going to push out our technology solutions. We've been mentoring new teachers online now for the past decade. All, we've been mentoring secondary science and math new teachers online and K-12 special ed. The coolest thing about that, David, is we can get a brand new physics teacher <clears throat> anywhere in America, and we can pair, <clears throat> excuse me, he or she up with an expert physics teacher anywhere in America. And the same in all of the other disciplines in math, science, or special ed. And so we want to grow that work. We think that work will have true, uh, will have a huge, we'll be able to leverage that work hugely in, in, rural, in rural districts, small districts, um, we're going to test out expanding into all area, subject areas, K-3, literacy, language development, all, all connected to the common core standards. So we're hoping to really drive change for new teachers and principals and the systems, actually, in rural, uh, rural America um, going forward. And we're aiming right now, we're reaching 1,000 new teachers online. We're aiming in the next four years to get to 30,000 new teachers online. Wow. So, Just, <laughs> such an ambitious set of goals. I mean, it's really inspiring and exciting to hear you talk about all that. And, and you know, thanks. And, you know, the thing is, is, you know, it's all about, you know, growing NTC is about our culture. And, you know, I think I've learned so much over the years about being a nonprofit. You know, we've only been a nonprofit for five years now. Um, when we spun out of the university, we were an $18 million organization in the university. We had the Bank of UC to support us, and now, you know, we kind of had to, we came out of the university and started from scratch, and I feel like we finally have our wings, you know. It's like now I know what it's like to be a nonprofit and to have an amazing board and to really be able to have an impact, and, you know, I'm really mindful of social-emotional well-being and empathy and caring and building that kind of community in my own organization. Like we have 150 employees, I want every one of them to feel that they, you know, feel supported themselves, and also to be really seeing a path forward of for them for each individual in my organization to go from good to very good to excellent, and to really model what an exemplary nonprofit or or, or business can look like that's doing social good, and at the same time, like I want to keep innovating. I mean the I think staying at the cutting edge, I mean, in the last few years, we've, we've really built out our, our curriculum around social-emotional learning. Our curriculum now is being built out around Common Core. You know, we're also really looking at new models, um, embedded models where technology can be a driver for student learning, and then all of the principal engagement work that we've talked about. So I think and, and teaching and learning conditions, there's just there's a lot more that, that I see on our on the horizon. 
you know, I guess I, my, my biggest kind of takeaway is, like, don't lose sight of the vision. Like, stay focused on the vision and really kind of simplify the messages, but keep the content rich and deep and engaging and, and honor, honor the adults that we work with in school districts and, and in, in charter networks and in my own organization and other nonprofits. It's like the work we're all doing is about social justice. It's about, it's about equity and helping all kids in America get the best education. It's complex work and we need each other and we need to be modeling the most effective practices across this country that build bridges and you know like your work david you know that really that really is about um you know i like to say in my own organization we're one ntc and i think we're one america who has to care deeply about ensuring that all kids get the best education and i don't see much stopping us i think we're i'm on fire I yeah like, i can hear it i, I can hear it i, I, I feel like a keep, Kid in a candy store. I feel like, like, no, this is important work, and we're going to do it. That's so great. That's so great. You know, we're coming to the end of our time, and, and uh, just shifting the lens one more time to talk maybe explicitly about social entrepreneurship. Your story is inspiring in the area that you work, but it's also such an inspiring example of social entrepreneurship and the ability to, you know, create an idea, take it to scale, you know, birth an organization and take it across the country. And I believe that, you know, some of the people who listen to this will be social entrepreneurs who are working on problems in their communities. And uh, you were recently quoted in a Forbes article talking about the importance of being able to tell your story and to be articulate about it, to have stakeholders and, and the ability to create momentum. I wonder if you could share a few words of wisdom about how you sustain your passion over a long period of time uh, to do you know, this kind of groundbreaking work and really see an idea all the way through from conception to scaling at such a such an ambitious level. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> when we started this work, I honestly didn't realize that I'd be talking to you today, David, and that we would have scaled the way we have. But now that I, now that we have, and, and we're not, we're only a small way, but we've got a long way to go. Um, I would say that, first of all, I had an idea, and the idea was connected to my heart and my intellect. And I was able to take that idea, you know, mentoring brand new teachers, helping to ease the transition into the classroom, you know, developing teacher effectiveness, accelerating the development of new teachers. I mean, it sort of sounds like, come on, doesn't the system do that? But the system didn't, doesn't, and wasn't. And so, but there was a long period of time when the, when the sort of general higher levels of education in America didn't really care about what we were doing, even though I knew deep down that it was a robust disruption of what exists and that it mattered. So I had to have a lot of patience. And, you know, I think those that are listening that are social entrepreneurs know that patience probably isn't my middle name and isn't, you know, I mean, when you're, you're trying to get something done, you have an idea. But 
I would just say patience, you know, and small steps forward until you can accelerate dramatically. And, and then for myself, I sustain my passion by periodically getting really close to the work. I have to see the work in action and be reminded of what we're doing and why it's so important on a regular basis. Because to scale an organization like I've done requires a lot of my current time, right, my position right now, is really about driving external messaging, really changing the landscape in America, fundraising. Um, they're not really the things in a way that woke me up, that I'm like driven, like, you know, they're, they're far from the classroom. And I've had to understand, I've had to teach myself and learn that I remember saying to someone once, I don't know if I can really do this work because I'm not connected to the teaching of kids or the teaching of teachers anymore. And I had to start thinking about that, but I am connected to teaching others across the country and the world about the importance of teaching and teachers and about the importance of social justice and equity to ensure all kids can learn. And once I kind of made that shift for myself, it's really helped me drive my organization and stay focused and um, remain passionate. And I, uh, it's, it's been a fascinating trajectory and it's been a huge learning curve for me. And it's been um, both exciting, exhilarating. I mean, I'd say it's been exhilarating and challenging. And those two things together have made it a dream come true to know that we're making such a huge difference across across the country. Ah, such a lot of wisdom in that comment about needing to go back to the work as a touchstone to remind yourself about uh, what it means when it gets to the ground level and then that sustaining you to be able to go and do all the myriad of things required to build such a comprehensive organization. I thank you so much for joining us today, and I wanted to make sure that listeners know that the best way to uh, reach you, to learn about your work, to provide support uh, to your work would be to go to the organization's website, and that would be www.newteachercenter.org, and also uh, you can be found on Facebook at facebook.com backslash newteachercenter. Are there any other ways that listeners should try to reach you? Uh, you could um, always email me at emoyer at newteachercenter.org. Terrific. Ellen, yeah. it has been such a great pleasure to speak with you today. I want to thank you so much for your leadership in this work that is so critical to the future of education. Thank you very much, David. And I look forward to staying connected because the work you're doing is, is equally important. And I hope our paths will continue to cross. Thank you for joining us today. Our library of interviews and a range of further resources may be found at archstreetpress.org or prx.org.